Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. The post-Civil War landscape of the American West offers escape and opportunities to many new immigrants who come to the country's shore. A few of them brave the journey to the camp town of Missouri Crossing, each looking for a new lease on life in the Dakota Territories. Join the settlers of Missouri Crossing, including Gregory Smith, played by Joaquin, Sister Margaret Miller, played by Monica, Bjorn Hagman, played by Chris, and Craig as the keeper of arcane lore, as we explore the horrors that await us on Down Darker Trails. So Margaret, after triaging the working girl Lavender, what is your plan? Did you want to head back quickly to put together some sort of concoction or did was there something else that you wanted to do in the meantime? Right now, the girl is her number one priority. So seeing that she's in need, she kind of puts her plan to keep searching or, you know, questioning about this mysterious book. And she figures if someone's going to tell her and someone's going to know, it's probably going to be Lavender. So she's going to have plenty of time to talk to her when she's examining her and treating her. So for now, her plan is to head back to her tent, look through her supplies and start putting together ingredients so she can make a nice salve for her. Okay. So the journey back is uneventful. You have um, a garden and some stuff that you brought with and some other stuff that you've collected and you feel like you could put together a pretty good salve that will help fight infection and at least keep dirt out of it and maybe even cover up some of the marks until it can heal a little bit better. You understand that like her like missing work for such an injury is probably not something she's interested in doing. So you work, um, it doesn't take the whole night, but it does take you a couple hours and you're able to get a few hours of sleep in too, if you would like. Margaret would definitely like to sleep. Yeah. And you know, despite your best efforts, like you still have trouble getting up with the sun. Could I actually have a power roll to see if you're able to do it? <laughs> uh, apparently not, because uh, I got a 91 out of 60. So it's again, it's not a botch, but um, you kind of wake up and it's like there's something you were supposed to be doing today. But that was that was very nice. That's very on brand with Margaret. Every time she tells herself, tomorrow's the day I get up early and I do things, it literally never happens. It just isn't in her nature. So she wakes up. She's kind of in that comfortable days. The chilly night air has got her all nice and cozy. And she wakes up and she sees the sun is out. And she's, she's thinking to herself, you know, there was something I had to do, something for the church, something. And then it all hits her, the, the snowball of events that should have happened by now. She should have gotten early, should have, you know, gotten the church ready for people, should have helped, you know, get ingredients for breakfast so that she could skip out on making breakfast so that she could take care of lavender. And now she's completely disoriented, doesn't know what time it is, uh, doesn't know when lavender's coming by or if even she's come by and left because she was asleep sleep so she's a little bit in a in a tizzy right now in margaret's mind what is the thing that she can let slide in order to accomplish the other things what what is she willing to just drop she'll definitely sacrifice her hygiene which 
other people won't be happy about, but you know, this is something that for her is kind of, she's known for this. Okay. She'll make up time by neglecting herself. So she'll skip, you know, any sort of hygiene ritual in the morning. She'll get herself dressed in a hurry. So maybe her, her hair isn't fully covered by her habit. She'll forget her rosary, you know, next to her, you know, her little bed on the floor. She's just trying to race out the door so she can go into church and at least pretend that she's been up early and she's been setting things up. So she's not going to skip one complete thing. Like she's not going to skip preparing things for breakfast, but she will definitely cut corners and forget an item or two, or she'll surface clean something and not really get it clean all the way, just so it looks like she's done more than she actually has. Yeah. And by the time you go into the, well, the hall proper where the church is being set up, um, luckily you see that Sister Michael has started doing something and perhaps one of the other parishioners was helping her, but you're looking around for the things that you usually do, like, you know, putting out the the missiles or the Bibles um, at the end of certain rows in case people wanted to read or follow along in the Latin or make sure that the candles were lit. You're, you're noticing a lot of the stuff was done already and you still don't know what time it is, but it almost seems like Sister Michael has it under control. Her and this other person helping. I would think that Margaret, in a way, because the church has a certain routine for every day, for her, she'd be able to tell time based on what part of the setup was happening or, you know, what type of mass was being conducted. So that will help her to orient a bit to time and place. She feels immediately guilty when she sees that for the millionth time in her life, Sister Michael has basically had to fill in for her and she already knows that at the end of the day she's gonna get that you know that look from sister michael that just says honestly honestly again but she knows that no matter how many times she apologizes she can definitely count on her to pick up her own slack and she does feel guilty though because she has apologized for this so many times and yet for situations that she feels are very much so out of her control, you know, the enemy is just really targeting her and making her slip up. So it's not her fault. She's really trying her best, but, you know, situations out of her control are just making it difficult for her to complete her tasks. Sister Michael is just there smiling at you. Like, like her typical stuff uh, or typical kind of outlook, like before she was ill on the, on the trail it almost seems like she's made a full recovery at this point and she's just smiling like she did at the same time that she kind of caught you um, when you were thinking about Bjorn and he came and talked that sort of same shared look that you had earlier and she says oh don't worry about any everything uh, sister we only had uh one parishioner today so father Nos took confession and uh light one today I promised you I will make it up to you tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm waking up absolutely before the crack of dawn. You won't even hear a rooster. You'll hear me in here. I will set everything up so you can sleep in. I will have this handled. Thank you again, but I will repay you. I'm sure you will. And she kind of gives you that same smile, like, sure. But um, <laughs> she she comes back. Sister, we, we're... 
we're a team. You don't owe me anything. You you saved my life on the trail. That wasn't me. That was thanks to the actions of Father Nors and Bajorn riding out and getting us all that food. And at the mention of Bajorn, he kind of comes back into her mind and he's, you know, riding valiantly on his horse, bringing food supplies. But then it's immediately tarnished by the idea of him undressing Lavender and like biting her on the chest. And it kind of makes her feel a little sick to her stomach. And she says, you know, you don't owe me anything. You are the person that is closest to me, even closer than Father Norse himself. I would do anything for you, Sister Michael. Wonderful. Then you will indulge me then if I ask you to meet me later today, maybe this afternoon? Of course. Where shall I meet you? I mean, I don't have much else to do. Well, we'll meet here later. Of course. You know where I am. If not, I'll come find you. And uh, whatever you need, I will certainly handle with you. And she she nods um, and kind of bows her head to leave. And you're left with this single parishioner who is just staring at you, kind of like mouth agape, as the parishioner is taking in how you look and who you are. And you recognize her immediately as the girl last night. Lavender or Carol? Oh, definitely Lavender. With that, she feels a huge blush that takes over her face and under her habit, it takes under over her chest. And uh, she smiles politely at Lavender and just kind of checks around herself, does a good old double take, and then brings her fingers to her lips as if to say, shh, it's our secret. Uh, she'll wink at her and kind of nudge her head as if saying, follow me, so she can lead her to her tent. She she nods and follows along and you bring her to the back room that you share with sister michael though she's not here at the moment hello lavender i'm so sorry i i slept in i had <laughs> i was up really late and um well I, i'm sorry i i didn't mean to cause you to wait i i hope you got here okay no problems right no 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 problems whatsoever uh, it's a lovely place that uh you folk have set up over here and the older priest was able to take my confession. I haven't been able to do do that in quite some time, so I'm thankful, and as part of my penance, I help tidy up a little bit. Sister Margaret feels an immense, an immense relief. She feels completely hopeful. Her heart is full that she managed to get lavender in here to, you know, cleanse her soul, and it almost brings a tear to her eye. She's just so happy. She knows that she's going to go back to the life of sin, but she believes it's purely out of need and not by choice. So she nods and says, Father Nas is absolutely wonderful, and so is Sister Michael. She is amazing. Honestly, the nicest person I know. You're always safe here, you know. If there's anything you need, between the three of us, we can always help you. So as she's talking to her, she's digging through her stuff. She realizes now that she left her rosary behind. So she kind of pushes it aside after giving it a kiss. And she holds, you know, the box where she's got her supplies. And once she opens it in a bit of a parchment, she has welled up this very, very thick salve that's kind of like the consistency of petroleum jelly. And she says, uh, this is what I managed to get for you. It should last you about 
a fortnight if you can manage to stretch it out of applying it two times a day. It shouldn't take you that long to heal, but from what I recall last night, that wound seemed really, really deep. And part of her really wants to ask again, how do you not remember getting this? But she doesn't want to intimidate her. She doesn't want to kind of, you know, get her to feel she's being interrogated. So she opens her hand as she uncovers the salve and, uh, you know, kind of nods at her and says, would you mind showing me again, just so I can apply it and show you how to apply it? Oh, of course. And she just, without any ceremony, just removes the top part of her dress and exposes her breast holding it for you she seems a lot less timid than she did this time almost like now that her secrets with you she could kind of trust you and you are this is a uh this is a medical thing it's nothing to be ashamed of and she just is very open with what sort of injuries she's um received margaret takes a look at the wound again and she is taking care to really memorize everything about it because she has every intention of looking back through her diaries. Uh, She would have kept something like that during the war where she outlines how to treat different types of injuries. And she would have had some kind of, you know, mediocre sketches of just to, to tell herself how things look, what, to look out for and she's dead set on finding something that matches this wound because she doesn't believe a human could have done it maybe it was you know an animal of some sort and if it's an animal obviously other women or other men in the area could have gotten attacked by it so she's keeping that in mind she's taking care to mentally document what she's seeing as she very gingerly applies this salve and says, I used a little bit of powder that I had just to keep moisture off my face. It's not an exact match because I'm extremely fair, but it does cover up a lot of the red. Now, there's two bits of the salve. There's a clear part that I want you to put immediately on the injury and the bit with the colorant you put on top. You don't want to get the colorant immediately inside the injury just to keep it clean. And if at all possible, put it on after you have cleansed yourself. Try to keep the area dry and try not to rub it too much. I know it's a little difficult given your line of work, but the less that it gets touched, the the more you'll be likely to not get infection. And uh, with that, she takes another look. Just She color matches as best as she can, but the most it does is it removes some of the redness, but you can clearly tell that wound is still there, but it still looks good. It's not festering. It does look like she's doing a good job of keeping it clean. And she says, uh, you did mention that a client did this. Is this a client that you get regularly? Well, to be honest, I don't quite remember. And her speech patterns seem just like more alert right now. And she seems more confident in her answers. But it must have been a client or, I mean, what else could have been? I don't know. I, I have noticed that there were beagle, uh, not, not beagles, these little yappy dogs, uh, the little sausagey looking ones up front uh, by the door. Do you think maybe you were asleep and one of them could have gotten a hold of you? Oh, heavens no. Uh, Henry would never let the uh, Duchess and her her litter anywhere near the back. Huh. I have to admit to you, Lavender, I am at a complete loss as to what this is. And I've got to tell you, I have seen some pretty gnarly injuries from war. I've never seen anything that 
has a pattern like this. I'm I'm worried it could be some sort of burrowing insect, some sort of I don't I don't know parasitic animal. I would say normally the only time I see these puncture wounds are if they're done by arachnids, but it's a bit big to be a spider, if I'm being quite honest. Well, it looks like um, we got it all cleaned up and covered over. So I just just rub it and, you know, just until it goes away. Yes, it looks like you're doing an excellent job of keeping things out of it. Don't touch it too much. You know, our fingers are quite dirty. So just keep it clean. Rub this on twice a day preferably once in the morning and at night after you've cleaned up and you go to bed, really give it a chance to sink in. In the evening, uh, before bed, obviously don't put the parts that have the colorant in it, just to clear stuff. And you should see that it clears up. If you see that the redness starts to be more pigmented, if you notice that there are any lines like tiny veins coming out of it, if anything starts to seep out of it, I need you to please let me know. I'm I'm sorry. I'm yeah, of course I will. I'm just, to be perfectly honest, it's actually my bedtime now, so. Oh, I don't mean to keep you. I, I know you've had a busy evening and she kind of cringes a little on the inside about that. Uh, yep, just do this. You should be fine. And if any of the girls need anything, you know where to find me. Absolutely. I'm sh- I'll am i be sure to send them their way. Thank you. Thank you so much again, sister. Absolutely. Happy to help. You enjoy your, well, your night, Lavender. She smiles and departs. You are able to, at some point, catch up with a lot of your day-to-day work and, you know, you, you, you kind of rush through some of your own um, hygiene, but you do um, feel that you have a few hours to take care of any things you might want to before um, having to meet up with Sister Michael, if you'd like. Is there any daytime investigations you would like to do? First thing that she's definitely going to do is she's going to sketch that wound while it's still fresh in her mind. And she's going to write characteristics that she can tell from it, uh, that it looks like it was deep, that that the girl didn't remember anything. So maybe it was an animal that used some sort of anesthetic, like a bat, in order to you know bite without being seen. And that she should keep an eye in case other people have it. And uh, after she's got her book all caught up, I think she's going to take a walk out and I'm trying to think of where Margaret would investigate. She's already looked at the silver dollar and she doesn't really trust many people in town. So maybe she'll go to Jerry's saloon tent again, the second place of sin (laughs) and see this time she's going to go in her habit just, you know, under the idea that if she can go in truthfully, hopefully things will go smoother than they went last night. She's still very shook up by the way that Henry treated her. So she's going to go as herself this time and just going to go in and offer her services. All right. And you, of course, remember Jerry's saloon tent was one of the possible leads that you got for that dreadful Buckman book that's been making the rounds. So, you know, you, it doesn't take a whole lot of asking around to find out where it is. It's just along the river, actually, north of uh, your camp a bit, um, on the eastern side of the river, right before the actual crossing of Missouri Crossing. It looked like a industrious man had set up a covered wagon and filled up as much liquor as you could carry and set it up right by the uh the crossing and despite not being the best establishment it seems to be very well positioned 
as she walks and approaching this place, she's keeping an eye out for the surroundings. She doesn't want to step into the same type of scenario that she stepped into last night. Now she feels she should be a little bit more prepared for what's going on. And hopefully she'll get a lot more respect as a nun than she did as a regular woman. So she's going to approach Jerry's tent, uh, seeing all the alcohol and hoping no one's day drinking because why would they do that? And uh, she's going to approach it to see who she can find inside. Yeah, you see, well, it's it's noon and you see there is um, a man kind of passed out with a bottle next to him. And you see this other man kind of scurrying about, like rearranging bottles. And you see this um, other guy with um, a patch over his eye and a few missing teeth and some scarring on his face who seems to be drinking some beer, but it's kind of like because of the facial scarring, it kind of like um, drips out of his mouth and onto his beard a little bit. It, you're just kind of looking around. It's it's not very busy, but it seems that, you know, it's doing fairly well as an establishment. Could you also make me a spot hidden, if you will? 53 out of 30. I don't know why spot hidden hates me so much. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a hot day out. Um, you could You could push it if you like, but otherwise just continue on. You know what? I'm going to push the roll. Can you remind me how to do that again? Basically, for pushing a roll, it's a spot hidden roll, so it's going to be kind of tough to think of something. But we we did a we would agree on if you failed again, what even worse thing would happen to your character? Hmm. Well, I don't know what would happen. She's just kind of looking around the tent, right? Yeah, just kind of like investigating what's what's there to be seen. So a consequence could be that the owner catches her and accuses her of snooping or maybe stealing? Uh, so I suppose. You are dressed as a nun, though. And nuns can't be shady? Have you met me? <laughs> All right. <laughs> let, let, um, if, you're, if you're happy with that consequence, uh, we, you could try it again. Okay. Here we go. Oh, for frig's sake. 84. I am a thieving nun. Well, what what you take from him says the man who is found stacking. Yeah, she she turns around like completely flabbergasted. Take? I haven't taken anything. I've only just arrived. Well, someone took that shot, and it wasn't Pete, and it wasn't me. Shot? Do you mean alcohol? Do you honestly think I I didn't vibe that? Uh, He he looks around and then kind of scores his eyes like, well, if you didn't take it, who did? She looks around as if looking for someone to accuse, but then immediately remembers that's not the polite thing to do. So she was about to point at someone and she kind of hides her hand and she says, well, I certainly don't know, but it wasn't me. You're welcome to smell my breath. Come here then. Her eyes kind of open up. She didn't think somebody would actually take her on it, take her up on it, but she does walk over and she opens her mouth and just goes. (sighs) And as you do that, he really quickly, almost like a snake striking out, plants a kiss right on your lips. Oh, wow. <laughs> Margaret is taken aback. She kind of clutches her chest and she goes, excuse me, don't you know I'm a woman of God? <laughs> sure, yeah, uh, we all are. 
Ain't that right, Pete? Yar, says the, the man who is now laughing as alcohol is pouring out of his facial scarring. She looks at Pete and is trying not to judge him, but deep down she's disturbed and very disgusted by how sloppy this man looks. And she doesn't know what to do. She's completely red. She's stuttering. She, she She's never been kissed. And by all people, this stranger whose name she doesn't even know, she just looks like she's on the verge of tears. She says, so I can't believe what you've just done. That is disgusting. I am a woman of God. I am married to Jesus. Didn't taste like it. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. What, what can I do you for? And uh, he sets on a glass and starts filling it, pushes it closer to you. She looks at the glass and she kind of shoves it back at him. As I've said, I don't drink. And she kind of fans herself a little. Now she's feeling very warm inside her habit. And she looks at the man and says, my name is Margaret. I, I'm here with the caravan with uh, Father Nor's Sister Michael, a church offers services just by the river southwest you may have heard of us so she kind of is trying to establish that you know she's someone to be respected and she said I had actually been told to come here by uh, an acquaintance uh, told me that perhaps there's an item here that I'm looking for that someone here could uh, be in possession of it's a a book by a a gentleman named, and she takes a second to think of it, uh, Buckman something or other. The man behind the, let's call it a bar of the wagon, kind of like looks at you and then looks at Pete and you you follow his eyes and you see that there's his mug of beer is kind of like resting on this kind of worn red, like hardback book that's on the bar i guess of it and then pete looks um up and kind of follows your eyes and then kind of smiles but it's even weirder because his face is kind of like really scarred and when he smiles even more beard kind of just dripples out over his um face he's like well lucky for me i just bought it off jerry she looks absolutely shocked and a little bit dismayed that of all the people on this planet it would be this, what looks to be a pirate who has the book that she needs. And she kind of follows the gazes of the men and she realizes that to her horror, there's a beer stein on top of what she assumes to be the book in question. So she looks at Pete and nods very carefully and slowly as if to say, right. And she says, ah, I see you are a, a man who has taste in literature. Well, I am by far the richest man in town. And oh, if my uh, that old man could see me now actually owning books, ha, I show him a thing or two. And you're kind of getting the feeling that like he's probably just like wanted to own it as like a status thing. Oh, yeah, she has absolutely no doubt that this man has never read a book in his life. So she tries to seem polite as she says, ah, I see. I had no idea that you were such a well-off man. And she 
is internally cringing at saying that and says, in fact, I think I, I recall seeing you by the river. Is that, was that not you? Uh, you were sifting through something. Am I right? Yeah. There's a little bit of riches in these rivers enough to attract an old pirate like me. <laughs> pirate. And she looks shocked again. Like her eyebrows are virtually like leaving her forehead at this point. And she says, I had, I had no idea. I had heard of you vaguely. Uh, old Pirate Pete, is that right? Yeah, that, that'd be me. Oh, well, it's a pleasure to make your acquaintance, sir. And to her dismay, she reaches out her hand for him to kiss it. Are you trying to charm him, it seems like? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Would you like to roll charm? Now... My charm is not like a natural charm. I've got uh, psychology. I've got persuade. So are you? Charm, I just have five. If you if you want to change your tact a little bit before you roll, all of that. But um, basically, this is you're, you seem like you're trying to butter them up. So if you want to use like persuade um, and you know put forth an argument, you're gonna have to keep going with your conversation with this lovely specimen of a man yeah i think she's gonna introduce herself to him and then she's gonna ask to see if she can borrow this magnificent book that he just purchased so yeah um you give him your hand to kiss and like uh he, he kisses it and then it's kind of just like with the pat of his thumb he's still kind of just rubbing the back of your hand with it and like it's probably making you a little uncomfortable but as you continue to talk he hasn't just quite let your hand go yet she's allowing it for the time being only because she can pull it away at any time and she thinks it'll maybe help her cause but she's definitely going to have to do some confession to sister michael after all this and eventually own up to father Nas, which she's dreading doing she's done a lot that she's not supposed to in the past like 16 hours so she she smiles at pirate pete and uh, says, um, well, since it seems that you're the one that's acquired the book in question, I suppose you're the man I'm looking for now, isn't that right? Um, I was wondering, uh, as I said previously, an acquaintance of mine had told me that if I came into the settlement, I should seek out this book, that it had uh, some interesting passages. Uh, what, your interest in it, uh, have you gotten to read it yet, perhaps? Um... I, er, uh, of course, and you could definitely tell he's lying. He, again, he probably has never read a book in his life, but then he kind of looks up. He's like, what are you going to do with it? Oh, I don't, I'm not going to do anything. Of course, that's your property. I was just wondering if I could have a look through it only because uh, this acquaintance of mine brought it up to my attention and I'd be sort of embarrassed to go back to them and say I couldn't find it. But perhaps if uh, I, I do know a bit of medicine and um, I do have some tea from my travels. Is there something that I could trade, not for the book, but perhaps just for a little bit of time to read it? Of course, in your presence, if that's what you need, I would never dream of, you know, taking it or anything like that. But I am quite interested in what's inside. Now would be a good time for Persuade. I hate this game. I hate this game so much. I got a 52 out of 30. So he, he looks at you and he's like, 
you want to spend time with me and read it. Oh, that that sends all sorts of red flags through her mind. And she says, uh, well. It was your idea. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah. She says, well, what I I, I meant to that, and I I do, of course, want to be quite clear as a woman of God, that um, I would certainly love to read it with you around, uh, perhaps since uh, you're in by the river near me um while you sift through the waters i could sit on the bank and read it obviously in your presence so you know no funny business is going about might so might so he looks and he starts like stroking his beard and you're seeing like even more water droplets are which are definitely not water just are just dropping off of it and just landing on the book just staining the cover while he's doing this he's like god yeah Hmm. So, uh, well, I suppose I could let you borrow it, but it only seems fair that everyone here is equal. Uh, of course. Uh, would you like to borrow one of my Bibles? Well, I'm just saying that Jerry got something that old Pirate Pete didn't get. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um. Margaret is absolutely mortified by the suggestion of what she thinks Pete is trying to say. And she pretends like she doesn't understand. She shakes her head and says, I'm afraid I don't follow. There are many things I could um, offer you. We've got church services. We've got a Bible. I've got some goods that I've snuck into my tent, Uh, you know, food and tea. She clarifies that real quick. Uh, is that something I can interest you in? Then you notice that the uh, the man with his head just on the bar next to him, who hasn't said a word the entire time, just groans and says, oh, just kiss the man already and he'll give you the book. Ugh, just anything to get him to stop talking about it. Oh, my God. <laughs> if this were D&D, I would have to, like, check my constitution. Wow, that that puts her in a pickle because number one, kissing is a sin. Uh, Number two, she's already committed so many sins. And number three, my God, this man is filthy. Like, there's probably something living on his facial hair. And number four, how many roles have you failed? (laughs) I know. I'm I'm not entirely confident I can survive this. Is there anything I can roll to kind of talk him out of trying to kiss me like offer him something else like persuade psychology i suppose i'd let you roll fast talk or psychology to kind of elude that maybe if he plays his cards right at a later date okay i'm gonna try a and then just kind of just string him along until you finish the thing oh, oh my god please 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 dice gods yes yes a four out of 30 well first off check your skill <laughs> Second off, um, the man who's just kind of passed out in agony uh, just kind of like collapses on a heap on the floor. And then old Pirate Peach just says, oh, it doesn't have to be now. I, I can get I can clean myself up, and make you make it presentable to a lady that you and and um, you, yeah, you probably need to review it a little bit before uh, we can get to reading it. I I understand that you well read folks like to have practice so and then he he basically goes into a whole like 
he's trying to basically build up the moment in his head and just try to give you everything you need to prepare for it. And he slides the book over to you and says, Jerry, Jerry, uh, hold my tab. I gotta, I gotta take a bath. Sister Margaret was praying in her head to, to God to just spare her from this horrible kiss. And she feels just a wave of relief wash over her. She's going to say all the Hail Marys the second she gets back, confess all her sins, do community service, and, and assist Sister Michael in everything. The second she sees that book slide over, she is so excited. She touches it, and it's it's she can't believe she finally is getting somewhere. She feels that something's going on in this town, and this is a real first step as to getting something. So she smiles at Pete, and says, oh, absolutely. Uh, Women do love a well-groomed man after all. And uh, she doesn't want to promise him the kiss because that would be lying. And at this point, God just did her a favor. She doesn't want to kind of shit on that right away. So she says, yes, absolutely. Women do love a finely groomed, clean man. And I, I have absolutely no doubt that you clean up fantastically, Mr. Pete. I will take the book and uh, you already know where we are, the church, you know, my tent. I do have an appointment with somebody in the church, but you know where to find me. Whenever you are ready, I will be ready to return the book to you. Old Pirate departs very quickly to go get ready. And can you make me one last spot hidden roll? Hell yeah, 28 out of 30. As you're leaving the area, you kind of notice that there's a kind of like sort of like a junk heap near the river by the crossing. And just one thing on there catches your eye. It appears to be some sort of like a transport uh, wagon, but it appears to, you know, not have any wheels on it. And it looks like um, it's been like quite disused a little bit and beat up. And you notice that the words Wells Fargo are written on it. Oh, and this makes her think of, Gregory's interest in the Wells Fargo caravan as they were first pulling into the settlement. So she's going to make a mental note of that so that next time that she speaks to Gregory, she'll bring it up in conversation to see if he has any interest in pursuing that further. If you like the style and feel of Missouri Crossing, then you'll like Diluted. Set in 1848, Diluted follows a coterie who have set themselves to find out who is behind a mysterious tonic that plagues the kindred society of Victorian England. 